Welcome to something Hi, positive. For, oh, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I'm doing. A, I'm gonna just do the intro real quick, and then uh, we'll okay. start. That was great. <laughs> uh, welcome to something positive for positive people. I'm Courtney Brain. Something positive for positive people. The podcast is essentially an extension of the lived experiences of people who are navigating herpes stigma. Um, it is also a nonprofit organization, 501c3, where all donations are tax deductible uh, to support the ongoing advocacy for the integration of these post-STI diagnosis communication resources to be integrated into STD prevention efforts and sex education, just so that as people move forward through life and if they do test positive or come in contact with someone who does, they have the communication skills that they need in order to navigate this moving forward. All right, uh, today's podcast episode features Mike. And uh, Mike, I'll let you just introduce yourself however you want to introduce yourself. You can share as much or as little as you would like to. And then, um, yeah, I'd like to know, you know, what made you reach out? Because we connected this morning and uh, this is a very, this is a prevalent topic. Yeah, well, uh, so my name is Mike. I'm uh, 56 years old and I grew up in Denver, Colorado. And I'm currently living about two hours south of Denver in a town called Pueblo. I moved down here just after the COVID pandemic started because uh, I decided at that time it would be a good opportunity for me to flip houses. So uh, I moved, I sold my house in Denver and with that equity, I was able to move down to Pueblo and uh, I bought up a bunch of old rundown houses and I uh, really have kind of found my passion. I love working on these old houses. I have a particular style that I really identify with it's like the brick houses built in the 20s kind of a bungalow style and uh, there's a few of those here in the historic part of town that i'm in so uh, the last two and a half years i've been buying these old houses and fixing them up and then turn around selling them or turning them into airbnbs so that's kind of what i'm doing now all right awesome um, and Mike, when you reached out to me this morning, I, I was at the gym, I was on pre-workout and I was all hyped up. So <laughs> the way that I received your message was probably a lot more intense than how I'm going to like talk about it here. But you brought up okay. a very uh, prevalent subject. Um, you were speaking about the are we dating the same guy group and how you were outed in that group by your sister. Like that was what happened. And you mentioned wanting to speak to... Um, how these groups are and like I guess to start out because I normally ask people this question and I guess it's something that might be expected um, herpes so you have herpes how long have you had it uh, let's start there okay well you know it's it, it's a funny thing I I don't even know that I got it through sexual intercourse I think I've always had it I um, as a child in elementary school I'd get cold sores and as did my whole family my mom and my sisters we all got these cold sores and you know back in the 70s it wasn't really as stigmatized as it is now I, I believe maybe that was just my perception at the time maybe I was just an innocent child but um, I've never really have felt bad about it it's just something I've always had um, when I was 19 I had a, a, a girlfriend, she was from Sweden, and we were in a committed relationship and ended up getting married and were together for about 10 years. And um, she, you know, had symptoms and she went to the doctor and came home and told me that she had herpes and she, she, I was the one and only person she'd ever been with. 
So that's how I learned that I had it. Um, some of the symptoms I'd get before that, that's when I realized I had it, but uh, apparently I had symptoms before that. But I always thought it was just like chafing. It was just like some dry skin. It wasn't anything that caused too much pain or made me too worried. Um, so anyway, so I've had it my whole life. I feel like I'm an extremely healthy person. I have an extremely healthy lifestyle. I exercise and go to yoga every day and I uh, kind of meditate and keep my mental health happy by pursuing passions and uh, and just, I don't know, I just try to maintain a, a very stress-free life. And so um, I think between my, my lifestyle and the uh, amount of time that I've had it, I've been able to manage it quite well. I mean, I have rarely have outbreaks, and when I do, they're very mild. And uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of my relationship with herpes. Okay. And uh, as far as dating goes, like, are you sexually active? Um, when you do have partners, uh, how do you go about having that conversation with them? Yeah. So that's that's kind of a thing I actually wrestle with quite a bit. Um, personally, and I've tried to navigate it using different approaches. Remember, I'm 56 years old, and you could, you know, argue that I've been dealing with this for 40 years, and in that time, I've kind of had gone through different incarnations of myself, you know, we're never the same person, and I kind of have a thing that people sort of make a full transformation every 10 years. If you look at somebody's life, they're a different person in their 20s than they are in their 30s and they are in their 40s. And, and so on, right? So, um, when I first found out, you know, I found out, you know, when I realized I had given it to my first wife, um, it was kind of devastating to me, but it was more, more devastating to me because I had passed it on to somebody who I thought was, you know, she was an innocent, she got caught, right? And so I felt really bad about that. So, you know, that relationship, but we were in a committed relationship, married, so, you know, she was she was really cool about it. She was like, hey, I'm okay with it. It doesn't bother me. It, it, it's a part of who you are, and we're together, so she was really cool about it and understanding, but I was a little harder on myself. But, you know, 10 years later, we were divorced, and I was dating again, and um, I had a really good circle of friends at the time. And in that group, there was this woman, and me and her started dating. And I was, we had we had started sleeping together, but I, I, you know, shortly afterwards, I felt compelled to tell her, and I had all this anxiety over it. I was just stressed out, and I, you know, so I went over to her house one night, and I kind of sat down, and I was like, I got something to tell you. You're gonna hate me. And she's like, Well, what is it? You know? And I was like, I have herpes. And she was like, oh, so do I. No problem. And I was like, oh, cool, you know. And it was a relief, you know. And uh, I had all this anxiety built up over it, but she was just, like, super cool about it. And then we never thought, we never talked about it again, right? So from that, and, and so I got, I got other stories. That was in my 30s, so that was 20 years ago. And, uh, but what I realized from that, you know, in my 40 years of dating, and they say, I don't know how many people, what percentage of the population has it, but you hear numbers from 10% to 60%, right? You hear the whole thing. 
So it's common, right? We can all agree that it's common. And in my 40 years of dating, I've never not once had a woman disclose her status to me. And I have to believe with all the dating that I've done, um, that somewhere along the way, I came across somebody who had it as well, right? But it's never discussed, you know? So, but I've disclosed on a number of occasions. More recently, the way that's looked is, um, you know, so I've been divorced 10 years now from my second wife. And uh, in the last 10 years, you know, I've gone through spurts of dating, times where I'm more active, times when I'm less active, since moving down here to Pueblo a couple of years ago, I've I've basically given up on dating. Uh, I think I'm just getting older and it's losing its appeal to me. But um, what's happened? I'll I'll kind of tell my last story, and this ties in with the "Are We Dating the Same Guy?" movement, right? So, um, so yeah, okay. I'm gonna try to collect my thoughts on this. So, uh, last summer. I went on a yoga retreat. And what I do is I plan these yoga retreats. I plan on going, I reserve my spot in these yoga retreats about a year out. And then I work really hard on flipping these houses and that's my reward. It's my light at the end of the tunnel and it keeps me on a schedule. Like I gotta get this house done before I go to that yoga retreat. So I go to this yoga retreat and uh, and you know it's all kinds it's all it's all my people right it's all spiritual hippy dippy woo woo people and we're all doing these uh, uh, exercises you know to kind of like you know do yoga and communicate well and stuff like that anyways there was this woman there and uh, she was she was didn't fit in with everybody else she was I called her Canadian Karen she's kind of like a Karen type and uh but, you know, she took an interest in me right away, and, uh, and we, you know, it, the context, right? What I'm trying to describe here is the context. The context was she was on vacation, I was on vacation, and she even coined the term vacation sex, right? And she was telling me about how she had just come from the Caribbean island, you know, St. Bart's or whatever, a week before, and she was telling me about how she slept with the scuba diving instructor down there. And she was telling me about how her, her and her last boyfriend went to all these swingers resorts. And they like to, you know, do all this kind of stuff. And anyways, we were just having these conversations. And I thought she had a very open-minded attitude towards sex, right? And uh, she was very aggressive with me. She took one look at me and I, w- I was the guy she had to have. She was only going to be weird. This yoga retreat was a week long, so I thought... I think she thought, you know, I'd be a a good diversion for that week. And uh, so we just started having sex. And, you know, unless I'm having an outbreak, I don't really feel like I need to disclose that to anybody, especially if it's just casual or we're just having fun. I know a lot of people have a hard time with that. They're like, you're supposed to disclose no matter what all the time, you know. Let me me step in real quick and just say you're not – more people agree with that like behind the scenes than on the surface. 
because on one hand people feel like okay this isn't this shouldn't be exclusively my responsibility to disclose because people don't disclose i do think that it's everybody's responsibility to initiate a conversation about sexual health i don't think that that should be on just us because we have something right but right. i think that the focus needs to shift to the initiation of the conversation about sexual health being the expectation more so than you know uh, i you know people give people crap about not disclosing their status yeah I, I i get it and i i'm totally on board with that right but that's that's the axe they hold over your head because after the fact you know no matter what the circumstances were or how the disclosure came about or whatever at the end of the day if you didn't disclose before your first sexual contact you're the bad guy right and that's that's what i'm suffering now no so so this woman, Canadian Karen, we're at this yoga retreat. She's all about it. She's on me, you know, um, so fast, in fact, that I kind of was in disbelief this was happening, right? I was with this woman, and next thing I know, so um, <laughs> so we have sex, and immediately afterwards, she turns to me and says, um, so do you have any STIs? And I just thought to myself, oh, my God, this is like the worst time to ask, and I mean, like, you know, you initiated all this, and I went along with it, and now you're asking me if I have an STI, and normally, every single time, if a woman asks me, you know, she initiates the conversation, and she asks me, do you have, you know, anything I should know about, I'm always very forthcoming and disclose, always. I don't have a problem with that, you know, so if somebody bothers to ask, I say yes. But in this particular instance, I said no because I lied. Because it was the first day of a week-long yoga retreat, and we were uh, like 20 total strangers, 20 new people, and we we're sharing this house, and we we're going to share this house and you know uh, interact with each other for the next week. And I didn't want to uh, have this scenario where you know, on the first day, uh, this woman practically seduces me, which I'm not complaining about. You know, I was I was right there with her. You know, but she was the driver of the in, uh, of the uh, of the uh, con, you know the our relation or whatever. And um, so I and she when she said, "Hey, do you have any STIs?" It was kind of like this crazy look in her face, and I didn't know who she was or how big of a deal she was going to make about this. And the last thing I wanted to do was spend the next week in a house where I'm ostracized like the bad guy, you know, and there's this weird energy. So I said no, and we had the week-long yoga retreat. We had a great time. We connected well. We had lots of sex, and, um, and it was great, and it was a, you know, it was a great vacation. So at the end of the week, she goes back to Canada, and I go back to Colorado, and, uh, and about a week passes, and I kind of decide, you know, I kind of, that that chick was kind of cool. I'd like to know more about her. So I called her up in Canada and we continued to talk. Right. And we started talking about, you know, how would it look if we dated long distance? How would we, how would it look if you're in Canada and I'm Colorado, but you know, maybe there's some potential here for something in the future. So at that point I said to her, Hey, look, I got to do, I, I do have to tell you something. You asked me if I had an STI at that, re at that retreat. 
And I lied to you and I said no because I didn't want to create an uncomfortable situation for myself. I'd been looking forward to that retreat for a whole year. I wasn't going to ruin it on the first day with somebody putting me in a compromising position like that, right? So, uh, so we had this conversation over the phone, and I explained to her, you know, that I am actually, I do actually carry uh, herpes, but, um, you know, I have it under control. My body's immune system is strong, and it's rarely an issue with me. And I, I can have sex without passing it along, and I'm fairly confident me and her. We're able to have sex and not pass it along. And in fact, you know, she confirms to this day that she doesn't have it. So it's not like every single time I have sex, I'm passing it along. I thought and, the story uh, was going somewhere else. I thought she, I thought she like got it and flipped out on you. You took me for a ride there. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. She, she didn't have it. No, she didn't. Have, and that, that's the thing. I'm fairly confident that I can have sex without passing it along. And if I feel like I'm, you know, there's a potential that I'm having an outbreak or could have an outbreak. If I feel something coming on, then I, I don't have sex. I shut it down, you know, but like I said, I only have, uh, outbreaks rarely, you know, maybe every three years or five years or something like that. Yeah. So anyways, so anyways, we're having this conversation in the context of having something more substantial than just vacation sex, a week long fling where we're both away from home. And, um, and I tell her I have herpes. So anyway, she's a little upset about it at first. And her initial reaction was to kind of like really come down hard on me, like really blame me, really hold this over my head, you know? And I was like, Hey, I'm not having any of that. Like one reason why I don't lead with it is because I don't see it as a big part of my identity. I have a lot more to offer than just my herpes status. And I don't want to like, when do you do that? Do you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Mike. I have herpes <laughs> or yeah. Or do you meet people and form relationships the way people form relationships? However, that may look conversation, sex, time spent together, activities together, whatever. And then as the, as the relationship develops and you grow closer, then at some point you might reveal like, Hey, you know, We've been getting by with you. We've been getting away with it for a few months now, but I should tell you in case, you know, it's, well, it's relevant, right? So I told her, I was like, you know, there's two people here. There's me and you, you know, we're, we're both adults. Um, we both, uh, you know, participate in varying degrees with promiscuous sex. I don't know if promiscuous is the right word, but Maybe, you know, casual, maybe casual, right? yeah, like casual sex or just not committed sex, whatever wording works. Vacation sex is vacation what she likes to call it, right? Vacation sex. So vacation sex has, there, by calling it vacation sex, you're communicating that there's a more casual tone to it, right? So so she, was, she really wanted to kind of beat me up over that, but I was like, no, you know, there's two of us here. We're both responsible. You could have asked as easily as I could have disclosed, you know, if it's really that important to you, the time to have asked would have been before you, you know, jumped on me. And, uh, anyway, so we talked it out, right. And then we continued to have a relationship and then she, we dated for several more months. She came down here from Canada and visited me in Colorado a few times and I went to Canada Here's something that really kind of eats me up a little bit. So I was anti-vaccine. I was not on board with that whole COVID thing. 
I don't know how a lot of people feel about that, but it wasn't for me. Like I said, I have a healthy lifestyle and I believe and trust my immune system. And I just didn't want to get the vaccine during the whole COVID thing, right? So for two years, I stood my ground, held by, you know, stuck by my principles and, uh, and just avoided the vaccine. But after two years of doing that and people wearing you down, oh, uh, my sister, who disclosed my herpes status on this Facebook group, uh, she's all pro-vaccine. She's, like, super passionate about it, and I'm a baby killer for not getting a vaccine. But anyways, um, I want to go to Canada to visit Canadian Karen. And in order to do that, I had to get the vaccine. So I went and got the vaccine. What kills me about that is just a few couple months later, they dropped it all together. So I almost made it to the end. <laughs> right. And uh, and so, like, I got the vaccine for this girl. That's a huge thing. So my intentions were were pure. Like I was committed to exploring a serious relationship with her and the potential for doing that. Anyways. So I kind of feel like I'm rambling here, but no, no, you are not rambling at all. Um, and okay. the reason I'm just letting you talk is because there's not a lot of men who come on this podcast and I'll just be right. frank about the fact that I see a very big challenge for men communicating about these things. I don't think that there's much self-reflection, uh, that would occur in a way that they're comfortable enough with talking about how these situations make them feel. So the way that you're articulating things is very much useful. Um, and I think that the men that do listen to this podcast are going to get something out of it, as well as the women who hear from a man's perspective as well. Uh, since you feel like you're rambling, I guess this would be a good point to like make a few comments. Uh, okay. One of the things that I like about what you shared with the disclosure, it was that you you looked at this from a, a place of I have so much more to offer than just my herpes status. You mentioned like when am I supposed to you know do this? Like I'm a normal person. Normal people do these things. I don't introduce myself and leave with my identity. Like, just like for me, I'm open about having herpes. Like, I'll, hi, I'm Courtney. Hi, I'm Courtney is probably how I meet 99% of people if they don't know who I am, right? And we engage in conversation. Naturally, what do you do might come up in the conversation. And depending on the context or the environment, I might say I run a nonprofit. I might say I work in sexual health. I might say I'm a yoga teacher. I might say, it just really depends, right? And the trajectory of me connecting with someone and getting to know them doesn't look like me leading with any one particular aspect of my identity. So I very much like and agree with what you said about not leading with high on mic and I have herpes, right? Because I think a lot of people in the back of their mind, that's where, that's where they're at. Like you look at a person and think, I want this from that person. How can I get it? And then, oh, shoot, I have herpes. They're not going to want to give it to me. But there's a whole song and dance that needs to occur when we're connecting with people. And oftentimes leading with our identity or leading, thinking about when we're going to be able to talk about this, it pulls us from being present. And what I'm learning is that presence is probably the most attractive thing about a person. When you're with someone, you're like, damn, you know, this person's really present. Like, I'm interested in them. And the only way to really 
be present is to be present. You can't be locked into this one part of yourself or how this person is going to receive you. You literally just have to exist as a present individual and have that conversation. Um, another thing that you spoke to was like, you got the vaccine for this girl. So like you were willing to have shifted your belief system or you went against your, you know, beliefs because it was more of a priority to you to be with this person than it was for you to not get the vaccine. And you very much prioritize your health. So your health comes first and you trust yep. your health and your uh, immune system. And this woman who, you know, you met with this conflict initially, which people avoid, people will avoid this conflict at all costs. And I've, I've seen so much of that, but you were able to not only deal with the aftermath of not having disclosed before, you were able to, you know, stand to your ground and be like, no, you know, you're not about to shame me for this. Here's the situation. We're both accountable here. So there was shared accountability in that exchange. And it wasn't like a guilt trip from you, like, oh, you know, I didn't disclose to you right away. I should have blah, blah, blah. Like you had your reason. You moved forward that way. You gave her the information. And then while she tried to act in a certain way, you're just like, no, nah, we ain't doing that. And I think that what you just gave me is really something that I can speak to, uh, a little bit differently than I have in the past because I see people say you should always disclose you should always be the one to disclose first and you know that's that's cool to say out loud but you know I question how many of these people have not done it themselves you know for me I'm a public figure in the herpes space so if you google my name you will see herpes next to it so I kind of have to um, but I do believe that there is something to be said for the willingness to engage at the level of which you did, which was like, all right, you know, I want to take this further because a lot of people wouldn't do that. I think a lot of people would just avoid it altogether. It's like, oh, well, I didn't tell you, you know, I'm just let this go. Or they, you might see people ghost or just stop talking to a person to avoid having that conflict altogether. But exactly. the conflict management, the communication, the the willingness to go there with this person is a component of this conversation that I think is going to be useful to a lot of people because we just don't see it. Like we don't see conflict anymore. You mentioned that your sister, uh, who we're probably going to start that conversation, we're going to probably transition into that shortly. Your sister yeah. is very much, you know, pro vaccine and. Uh, believes you're the worst person in the world for not having gotten vaccinated. And I think that uh, we see so much of these extreme views in one direction or another that I believe the majority of people who are in the middle of that, you know, it, understand that this is just a situational thing. You know, I may not always disclose or I may always disclose, but there's always like a gray area of mutual understanding about how to go about that, about how to manage it. And so much of this is like you accountability. It's accountability because you took accountability of not having disclosed and that you lied. You were able to flat out say that, hey, I lied to you. And here's the situation. And she was still willing to move forward. And people don't exactly. understand that, you know, like people are just so avoidant. Like we got to be able to get through conflict and we can do that with communication. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave room for anything that you want to say here before I transition into the next piece. Did you have anything you wanted to add there? 
No, I think you summed it up perfectly. And, and yeah, I mean, there's, I, there's a lot I could say on it, but I think I've got the gist of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. Um, so <sighs> this, this is interesting to me that we're having this conversation now because uh, I have another podcast called Self and on Self, like I am currently exploring cancelable conversations, basically. And one of which is on this conversation about misogyny and misandry. So misogyny, as explained on the social media post that I spoke about, was the hatred of women from men. And then misandry was the opposite of that, women's hatred towards men. And in my exploration, what I find is that when men hate something, we tend to avoid that thing. If I don't like guns, I'm not going to touch guns. I might not even talk about guns. If I don't like redheads, I'm not going to talk to a redhead. If I don't like to wear underwear, I'm not going to engage with underwear. And that's like, you know, the ultimate expression of hate. Like if we hate something, we avoid it. And you'll see like if men hate women, they just avoid women. Whereas on the other side of that, I've seen that women tend to engage with what they hate. Uh, if you look at women who like, are like, oh yeah, you know, my friend, blah, blah, blah. I can't stand that bitch. Oh, she get on my nerves. All she, and you know, they'll talk shit about each other behind their back and then in front of each other, like, oh, hey girl, it's so good to see you and hug and kiss. And we'll be looking like, you just told me all this stuff about her. Right. And yeah. so the, the, the hatred of men from women, like women will still get, take a guy's drinks that they hate. They'll still have sex with him. They might even still be in a relationship and marry this man that they hate. And so when you sent me this email, uh, it very much like highlighted that for me. And I was like, yo, yeah. this is wild. So if your sister just flat out hates you or doesn't like you, you know, yeah. why can't she just avoid you? Or why can't yeah. she just ignore you, leave you alone, and just like let that be it? But no, she felt the need to like really bring this not only like to to express the hatred towards you, but it was like an attempt to also involve more hatred towards men because the are we dating the same guy groups uh, typically don't have anything positive to say about men. Like these groups very much perpetuate this hatred towards men in a way where there is no accountability for anybody who might be lying. Like I know more people who've been impacted by that negatively or who said, um, like no one's ever been like, yeah, I posted to this group, this guy, and I found out he was married and I left him alone. It would be, I posted about this guy. I found out all these other women dated him and had these experiences, but like still they need to see for themselves or they're going to like, oh, well, I know what I'm getting into now and we'll continue yeah. to engage. And that's wild to me. So that's. Yeah, you thought, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you got me thinking about a couple things I want to share with you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so when I first learned about this group, uh, Are We Dating the Same Guy? I didn't quite understand what it was or how big it was or whatever. And so um, I started looking into it, right? And I started kind of going online and just seeing what people were talking about and what people were saying about it. And, uh, and you know, I, I find it interesting that the, the, the Are We Dating the Same Guy group has like 50,000 members in my group. And this then is just out in of Denver, curiosity, right? I look, huh? And this is just in Denver, right? Because there's multiple yeah. ones across different cities. There's one here in Portland. Yeah, they're in all the major cities. And I don't know how new they are, but I kind of get the impression that they just popped up in the last couple of years. And uh, 
and they're really gaining traction now, right? And so, um, so one of the things I did was I went to TikTok to see how many, uh, what, what, you know, if there's any uh, reels on it or what people were saying or talking about it. And the only thing I can find, well, okay, yeah, the only thing I can find is there's all these TikToks where people are like, girl, I just discovered this group. You got to get on. You got to join. It's basically these girls showing up, posting up pictures of their exes or guys they've dated and dishing the tea. They call it the tea, the gossip. They're dishing out the gossip on these guys. Oh, my. I mean, the girls are loving it. Like, well, I always have to keep in mind that uh, online users, right, all the people who use online dating, it's 80% men and 20% women. So there's 20% of women of the population that uses online dating. So you have to ask yourself, what are the other 80% of women doing that aren't using online dating? Well, they have friends, they have social circles, they have healthy activities, they're out meeting people in real life. Let's face it, if you're a really attractive woman and you're single and you're in your 50s, that's my demographic, uh, you don't have any trouble meeting guys. But if you have trouble meeting guys, you might turn to online dating. So these 20% that use online dating, they maybe have like their per they have a character flaw. They don't have the personality or the confidence or the skills required to meet people in real life. They have to rely on a profile and some pretty pictures, right? And um, so that's who we're talking about. But of those 20% of the women who use online dating, of those 20%, 80% of them are messaging 10% of the guys that are on these online forums. So 10% of the guys, or 20, let's call it 20%, let's be generous. It's 10. It's 10. 10% yeah. of the guys on online dating apps are getting messages or inboxed or matched with 80% of the women who are using the app. Well, I must be in the 10% because when every time every time I log on or create a profile, my inbox just fills like crazy, you know? I'm six foot three, I uh, work out every day, I go to yoga, I've done all the internal, I've done a lot of internal work, it's always a progress, it's always a work in progress. Um, I communicate well, I flip houses, I'm handy, I'm masculine, but at the same time, um, I'm in touch with the femininity, you know, the divine feminine. So anyways, I, a lot of women find that interesting and, and connect, right? So, uh, so anyways, yeah, online dating is a funny thing. So, uh, but I, I find that the women who are uh, aware of this group, are we dating the same guy? They just love it. And it kind of occurred to me that the, the Facebook group, Are We Dating the Same Guy, is to women what porn is to men. Yo, it kind of, oh, that's big. <laughs> yeah, and think about that for a second, right? Like porn is so toxic to men, yet so many men consume it. And you, you realize it has all these debilitating effects on our psyche and the way we navigate the world if we consume too much porn. And I see these women who are consuming, they love this online gossip form. And um, what's interesting is, is if a woman in that group steps up with an opinion that's defending the man, they'll often be booted out of the group. So the group is catering or selecting for the most hateful and the most vile of comments. 
so in my in my particular example, right, my sister, who uh, just to really appreciate what's the personalities involved here, my sister's a mess. Like she's she's just a lifetime of this kind of trauma, and she has alienated herself from everybody in her life. I don't know if it's something that's happening in her fifties, but. Um, you know, she was an exchange student in Belgium. She got really close to these people, a whole fa- whole other family. And, um, you know, they were friends for years. Well, my sister had a friend from work. She introduced that friend to the son of this family in Belgium. And lo and behold, they hit it off. And they got married and had a kid. And the kid, the, the, the son from Belgium, he actually moved back to Colorado to be with this girl. And he's living a mile from my sister. So you would think, like, that would be a good thing. My sister would be a godmother to this child he had. He would be a really close friend to the couple because she introduced them. But instead, she's alienated herself from these people. She basically gave him an ultimatum that they have to choose between her and the friend that she introduced to the son because she never expected him to actually hit it off. And when they hit it off, she got insanely jealous of the attention that her friend was getting that she felt like she should have been getting. So anyways, all those relationships just disintegrated and fell apart. She... um, she's She sued both her neighbors on either side of her house you know, it small claims court over like apple trees and things like this. She's been fired from jobs for being at in conflict with her bosses. Um, she's of, an alcoholic. Out of takes, curiosity, uh, yeah. Is there any mental health diagnosis or no? I have to think there is. Okay. I, I, because her behavior is so extreme. Okay. Um, I was gonna say because this does sound extreme, and then you when you mentioned the addiction, that was when I that it yeah, started so to kind of click. She's an alcoholic and she takes antidepressants and I don't think you're supposed to mix those, right? You are not supposed to mix those. You're not supposed to mix those. So she's she's 54 years old. She goes to concerts three nights a week. She's kicked her oldest son. She kicked her sons out of the house. She just wants to get back to being an empty nester, single mom. She wants her freedom back, whatever. But she's doing it in a really self-destructive way. Um, she's the type of girl that in her youth... Uh, smoked cigarettes or did cocaine because she thought it kept her thin, right? Like oh, that's how she that's how she has weight management. Anyways, she my point being she has a very toxic lifestyle and she has very toxic relationships with all the people in her life, not just me. And in fact, I've been able to avoid it most of my life by just avoiding her. Ah, what I tell but, you. <laughs> that's what we do we just avoid what yeah. we don't like <laughs> I avoid her and I avoid a lot of her drama and I see my mom and my sister suffer at the hands of her drama and I'm, I just always say to them why do you engage with her you know but they do because she's family but I've always kept my distance until a year ago a year ago she was um, going through some home renovation projects and she lost her job so she had to lay off all the contractors that were working on her house so in that moment, she turns to my dad, who lives in Seattle. He's 84 years old. He had had a stroke a few you know, months earlier, a couple months earlier. He was recovering from a stroke, 84 years old, can barely move. And she asked him to come to Denver and finish her bathroom remodel. And he, being dad, couldn't say no to his daughter and agreed. But then I'm up there. In Seattle visiting them because I've been trying to build relationships you know 
And uh, so I go visit my dad often. He's, you know, he's 80, so I got to make sure I get the time in with him while I still can. And he's all stressed out about this commitment he's made to my sister to remodel her bathroom. So I said, okay, you know, I'll do it. I'll, I'll help you out. I'll remodel her bathroom for her. But on one condition, I, she has to be out of the house while I'm there because she just creates a lot of drama and she'd be distracting my dad and she would be looking over my shoulder and everything. So if she wants her bathroom remodeled done, I just would prefer her to be out of the house while I'm there so I don't have to deal with her drama. Yeah. Because she had a lot of drama going on back then. Well, anyways, so she agreed. She said, okay, yeah, I'll do that. It made her mad, but she wanted her bathroom done, so she agreed. And, uh, and then at the end, when the bathroom was done, I drove back home two hours away. I spent four days up there doing it. And, uh, and I returned home, and my dad was there for a couple more days before he returned home. And during that time, she basically told him to go fuck him. She did, verbatim, quote, she told him to go fuck himself because she was mad that she had to leave her house while we worked on her bathroom. She got like thousands of dollars worth of free labor, but she was mad because she was, you know, asked to leave. So she's been, yeah, so she's been holding this grudge, this resentment, because it kind of made her look bad in front of my dad. I think my dad kind of looked at her in a new light after that, like, wow, she, she really is kind of, you know, a monster. And, uh, and everybody sees it, you know, and, uh, and I think it was my, you know, demand or condition that she leave kind of exposed her. So for the last year, and I haven't talked to her or engaged with her since, right? Been avoiding her. So for the last year, she's just been kind of resenting me and building up this story in her head. So this Facebook group comes along and she decides, oh, this is a great opportunity to get back at my brother. So she makes this post where she basically says, you know, that I have herpes and I don't disclose it and I'm running around infecting everybody I'm dating and I'm a threat and she needs to protect all these women in the group from me, you know, this evil person. And, uh, and then, so my Um, sister, she works in public relations. She's been doing professional level public relations for 30 years. She's worked on political campaigns. She's worked on government agency campaigns. She knows how to get a story out and she knows how to keep it going and she knows how to promote it. And she's using the full extent of her experience as a PR professional to uh, attack me on social media. So she started off with going to this group, making this post, and she's talking about how I cheated on my wives, and I have herpes, and I'm a narcissist. Those are the three major complaints. And I'm not a narcissist. I'm a confident male, and I know what a narcissist is. I'm not. But, you know, confident men get labeled that a lot, you know. And, and I, and yes, I have herpes, but I don't spread it to everybody. I, plenty of people have dated me and not got it. Um, in fact, I think I've only, uh, passed it on to three women in my entire life. And all three of those women were women that lived with me for extended periods of times, like 10, 12 years. We were in a relationship and it just happened with that much contact, you know, like daily contact for 10 years. They eventually caught it. But people who I've casually dated don't get it. But anyway, so this is her this is her complaint or her allegation against me in this public forum. But she didn't stop there. She actually reached out to some of my exes 
And because she's my sister and she knows all my stories and I've confided in her and she's in that inner circle, you know, everybody knows what's going on with their family to a degree. Um, she knew, you know, that there were a couple women that she would probably have more success with. So she reached out. One of them was to Canadian Karen. So she reaches out to Canadian Karen and says, oh, my brother's a narcissist and everything. And uh, recruited them to also make posts, you know. No. No. So she's, yeah. So it's not enough to out me, but she actually she actually went out and sought out some of my exes, one from a year ago, Canadian Karen, and that I don't know if I ever got to it, but that relationship kind of it grew and then it died out. I went up to Canada and I realized she just wasn't who she kind of presented herself to be at the yoga retreat. At the yoga retreat, she was all cool and open minded and chill. But up there in Canada, I realized that she's just kind of a, you know, we went to the mall five times during my visit there, and mm. I haven't been to the mall five times in my life. <laughs> so, so you see, there was, a, there was a disconnect in our priorities and lifestyle. So it just didn't work out. I ended it politely. I ended it nicely. Like I said, I was sincere and, and uh, had good intentions at one point. That's why I got the vaccine for her, you know, which is a huge regret of mine now. But, um, but anyways, it didn't work out and it ended a year ago, right? My other girlfriend that joined in on this thread, I dated her five years ago and I, I don't like guys who call their exes crazy. I know that's a red flag. We don't, we don't have people. to say it. So we don't have to say it because I think you've given enough context to, for us not to have to label it any sort of a word specifically. Okay. Um, yeah. I do want to speak to this before you continue. Uh, yeah. She was able to recruit people. And it, I think it goes back to that whole accountability piece. You know, I, I speak about this fairly often, at least more recently, that, you know, typically men fear consequences and repercussions for their behavior from other men through either physical violence or loss of respect. I don't know if there's anything to add to that. Like, as I'm having more and more conversations, I'm finding this to be more and more true. A man is not going to get away with putting his hands on a woman in front of me. That's just not going to happen. And right. any of my friends or anyone in my social circle who's doing something unjust or something like that is going to have to fear the repercussions of either physical um, intervention or loss of respect. And that's two things that I noticed from us that has this like undercurrent of accountability, this code that we live by. And right. what I don't see from what you're saying, from what you're sharing here, this kind of goes along with uh, the lack of accountability. I don't know that if a woman saw a woman putting her hands on a man, she's going to jump in and say anything. And the equivalent to that would be in this situation. Why didn't anybody shut her down? Why didn't anyone go, hey, I'm not I'm not doing that. Like Mike's actually a good guy. And I think that this is a good example of misandry because they're hatred for you was what enabled more of this absence of accountability to the extent that it gotten to. There's no reason for your ex of five years ago, your ex of one year ago to even engage with your sister about this. And no one thought to go, hey, you know, this seems a little out of line. I don't know why you want to do this. Like, what, what are you trying to accomplish here? There was just, there's no accountability. And for the post to have made it up and still be up, I'm assuming, without any sort of accountability or intervention from other women. And like you said, when they do in the group, they get kicked out. Like there's more of a negative, the avoidance occurred. It's not that 
Okay, I'm going to take this a little bit of a level deeper. For the women who kick these women out of the group for going against the opinion or standing up for men in the group, I think that that speaks to a much more deeply rooted um, hatred. Like this hatred isn't just hatred towards women it's or uh, hatred towards men, but it's also women's hatred towards each other to the extent of which like, no, you're not going to come in here and be right. You're not going to come in here and challenge the status quo of this space that I've created for this purpose exclusively. Get out of here. So yeah. 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 So when my sister posted up, hold on real quick. Hold on. I got to pause this. Give me one second. One. All right. Uh, sorry about that. I had to pause it. (laughs) Something, something happened, but, um, Yeah. yeah, just closing that out, you know, there's just, has there's this demonstrated lack of accountability within these groups that clearly <laughs> perpetuate not just misogyny but like this expression of misandry well no i'm sorry but like uh, something else because it's like women's hatred towards each other to enable this to occur yeah i've always found it interesting that like women will contact each other total strangers they'll contact they don't, people they don't know if they share a man in common that happens all the time but i don't ever i don't i don't know of any incidences where that has happened where men will contact a man warning him about a woman he's dating and if that were to happen the man who is on the receiving end would be like Dude, get out of here. I ain't going to listen to what you had to say about this girl. I'm seeing now, whatever. I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm going to make my own judgment call. I'm going to decide for myself what I think about her. Men don't do that. Men don't reach out and say, oh, hey, watch out for that woman. She's going to take all your money or whatever. That just doesn't happen on the same level that it happens with women, where women will be like, hey, girl, you don't know me, but uh, John, who you're seeing – you know, he is, and then they'll just start, they'll, they just get together, like, they'll meet for drinks and talk about the guy. You I know, just don't get it. I've, I've, and I've seen it happen from the other side, and I think that, you know, how we talk about the loss of respect for men, like, we very much value that, because I've heard of men doing that, and the guy who I heard about from, like, yeah, this dude hit me up talking about, man, that's my girl, or uh, she this and that and that, he'd be like, dude, you sound like a bitch. Like he would say something like that, or he's like, "Man, yeah. you like, what are you doing?" Or just like, put him in check, and that like, that hurts that guy in a way that you know, I, I guess is like out of alignment with that code that we spoke to, or that yeah. we spoke about. The, the the equivalent men's group on Facebook, are we dating the same girl? Here in my area, only has a couple hundred guys versus fifty thousand women in the women's group. The guys group only has a couple hundred guys. And I think that tells you right there. It's like I, I wouldn't join a group like that because I'd feel like a little bitch, you know. Like I, that's you just don't do that. You just don't go on and, and slander somebody, especially a woman. There's this uh, sense of chivalry in there on some level, right? Where even if she is a bitch, you don't go online and slander her, you know, because yeah. guys don't do that. It doesn't. It has nothing to do with the woman herself. It has everything to do with my behavior. And my behavior, I wouldn't. I wouldn't live with myself if i behave like that yeah. but women are eating it up they love it they this group is like the best thing facebook has offered them in years so i have a i, I have a post going right now just asking women if they're in that group and what their experiences are and so far everyone's been saying the same thing like it's toxic it's dramatic it's it's um it's hateful uh so i it's it's just so odd to me that like 
Andrew Tate's entire social media presence has been removed from existence. However, these women's hate groups get to be allowed. Yeah, so that's very strange to me. And it very much speaks to, uh, I guess, the social climate that we're in for what's allowed versus what's not allowed. Um, yeah. So uh, I want to, we got to get to a point of wrapping this up, but um, yeah. uh, how has this impacted you, if at all? You know, it's kind of new still. It's only been a few weeks that I've been aware of it, but I think it's a, it's had a huge impact. Like I said, I, that group is reaching a lot more people than I would have guessed. Um, it came to my attention through my neighbor who lives around the corner from me here. I'm hanging out with my friend, my neighbor, and he mentioned something. I'm like, whoa, what, you know, he mentions that his girlfriend knows I have herpes. And I'm like, well, how would she know that? I told, I had told my friend that because we had a conversation and I was confiding that the, the conversation I had with my neighbor, my friend, we were getting together for a barbecue. Um, there's this girl here in town. We, I know her from yoga. We started hanging out. And she asked me if I had herpes, and I said yes. I disclosed that I had herpes. So I'm hanging out with my buddy, and he's like, "How's that going with your, you know, with that girl you're hanging out with? How, how's that coming along?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, I had to disclose that I had herpes to her, and so now she's considering it. And we ended up dating after all, but she took some time to consider it before we ever had sex. And so I was relating that story. I was confiding that story to my friend." around the corner here we were having a barbecue and so i confide that to him and then sometime later we're hanging out talking and he's like how's that going and uh well i mean uh sometime later we're talking and he tells me that his girlfriend knows and i'm like well how would your girlfriend know you're the only person i've told you know did you tell your girlfriend and he goes no she learned about it from your sister and i'm like what and then that's when i learned about the group you know and that my sister was up there posting about it so anyways the point being is even though my sister lives two hours away in another city, it her message and her post has reached people in my immediate social circle. And um, and that's how it got to me. You know, it's one thing to log on to Facebook and see her crazy Me Too movement posts and her liberal rantings. And she hates Trump and goes on and on about Trump and how awful he is. I mean, she's just ranting all the time. It's one thing to log on to Facebook and see that, but it's another thing when her stuff reaches you through your immediate, you know, social circle. Your real life friends, like real life people that you know. That is and real life scary. friends, real life people. And the thing is, is I'm in a small town here, and I, one thing I've really enjoyed here is this sense of community down here. And um, another woman who's down here, she's a business owner. She's a respected member of the community. I think she's pretty cool. We've met uh, on social occasions a couple times. We're acquaintances. Um, she commented on the post as well, and I saw those comments. So we, me and her had talked a few times before about home renovations and things like that, so I thought we were on a friendly level with each other. And when I saw that she piled in on this post, uh, I kind of reached out to her and said, hey, um, you know, I thought we were friends. I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of disappointed to see that you would pile on with this and not, you know, um, talk mm-hmm. to me first or let me know or whatever. There's that accountability. 
no accountability. <laughs> and she got super defensive with me when I made extra efforts to be very non-confrontational and very respectful. But I just wanted to communicate with her that, hey, you know, I like our community here. I like our, you know, you. I, I like the community of the town I'm in, and you're part of that community. And and so this online community is having a very detrimental effect in my real life community. Man. And and it's interesting to me that people like my friend can't differentiate that. Like one of the comments she made when she's piling on, she was like, "I've met this guy, and he seems like a good, upstanding, decent dude to me." And then she came back a few minutes later, say, "Oh, scratch my last comment." Uh, somebody else reached out to me and told me that he's not somebody to mess around with. Well, I've only dated one other woman down here, so I know who that is. And, um, and you know, she, she's not in the right to, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm getting a very unfair characterization of me made on online. And I just, that's the most hurtful part. Like, it's that, that I, there's an expression that I've always kind of gravitated towards. It's like, I'm not who you think I am. You are who you think I am. Meaning, your thoughts about me have more to do with you than they do with me. So there's these people that have these very negative opinions of me out there, and they're all you know, chatting back and forth through this Facebook group. And I think it's completely de detached from who I really am as a person and my reality. Man, that's deep. Um... I would like to talk to you again. Uh, this is a very powerful interview, conversation, and very thought-provoking on a, a handful of levels, but this is definitely something I think people will have some takeaways from. Um, I've mentioned this on a past episode that someone, a woman in a sex educators group that I'm in, uh, accused me of sexual misconduct. Uh, I hadn't talked to this lady in three years never shared physical space with her and it's impacted like my work and people have reached out to me and been like hey I saw this post online can you tell me about this and I'm like I've never had physical contact with this woman and it shocks me that the post is still up and that there's no accountability held for this person and this is like something that is continuing to impact my ability to do my work in the sex education field because I have to answer to this so uh, that is partially where this conversation is like that that's my you know um, a way that I'm impacted and like influenced by this as well and uh, the last thing that I want to say here before we got to get off of here is uh, that uh, I had it and then I lost it. I was going <laughs> to transition into it. But the, well, these comments, man, oh, I, 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 hope, I hope my thoughts were coherent and I they hope I were, you know, very. wasn't all over the place. Uh, but I appreciate our time you know, being able to talk about it. I, I, I've, I've found sitting here talking to you today that it, it, it's been I'm feeling like it's a therapeutic thing for me because I haven't been able to talk to anybody about this and now this is the longest and the, at the the greatest extent that I've had to speak on it right I appreciate that yeah thank you so thank I appreciate it all right I'm gonna go ahead and wrap us up that concludes okay. this episode of something positive for positive people and this conversation is going to be one that continues um I had someone recently over social media, a woman, say to me, uh, essentially stay in your lane, shut up and dribble, as I started to share more of my experiences like with my health and life and sharing what I've learned from my job working at a medical hospital as an ed uh, educator about like my health and diabetes. And she's feeling a need to 
you know, say without using the words verbatim, stay in your lane. So I feel like there's more incentive for me to meet the resistance of having these more meaningful conversations as they don't, it, like, I talk about herpes, but it's never really about the herpes. There's so much more uh, at the root of it that extends from it. And it's important to me to touch on all aspects of that uh, in my existence because that's what it feels like I'm here for. So continue to support something positive for positive people. Donate, visit www.spfpp.org. If you want to be a guest, feel free to email me. That's how me and Mike got connected. And uh, yeah, till next time. Peace. All right.